Welcome to the New Age Sage podcast. Today's guest is Garen Jones. He is a powerful motivational speaker and coach. We get into how to defeat the limiting narratives and bad habits that are keeping you back from being the person you've always been destined to be. This podcast will inspire you deeply. Please leave a review if you like it. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Garen, I'm hyped up for this one. I've been looking forward to this one. So I wanted to start with who you are in front of me. Very powerful. I feel that everyone who's watching or met you can feel the, the power. A lot of us see someone who's powerful, successful, and they forget the story that took us to get there. There's a price tag we pay for these many amazing traits. What were some of the most expensive price tags you had to pay to become the man you are today? Um, I say one of the biggest ones is learning how to respect and honor women for who they are and not and not who my dad saw them as. You know, my, my, my dad was a, was a, was an extraordinary man who was deeply hurt on the inside. He was murdered when I was 12 years old, but I saw women through my dad's eyes. And when I learned how to see women through my daughter's eyes and like respect and honor them in a way where it's like everywhere, the, every, every time they go out, it's like, sleazy people trying to like get in their pants. So they literally got to build this protective wall. And the reason why I say it's one of the biggest things is because I was the guy that slept around with all the women and, and was going to different nightclubs every single night, cheating on every single woman. But my biggest, one of my biggest breakthroughs is when I didn't have a relationship with my, my, my first daughter, I have a daughter who's 21 now. And I did this five day silent retreat. And by the time I was done, a guy came up to me. He was like, you're a good looking guy. Safe to say you can get any girl you want. I was like, yeah. He said, get a date with your daughter. And I didn't have a relationship with my daughter. And I was like, damn, I've never pursued her. Well, what, what, what would women want? They want to be seen, heard, acknowledged and feel safe. I've never, I didn't even treated my mom like that. So inside of that paradigm shift, I went from this, I hope she sees that I changed to, I am the most powerful representation of who my daughter will marry one day. And though I didn't have an example, just by claiming that, it start having me see things different and treating women different. And the reason why I say it was one of the breakthroughs, it's because now I know how to create deep, safe space uh, when it comes to business. And 94% of my audience is powerful, driven women. Um, I'm in a committed relationship of almost five years. We have a baby together. Um, I have a better relationship with my mom. And some of my greatest transformations throughout my entire life, including teachers, came at the love and nurturing of a woman that I never learned how to respect. Mm -hmm. So that was... One huge breakthrough. The next one was in 2011, I was uh, roughly $250,000 in debt, hadn't paid my taxes in over, uh, was it nine or 10 years, but they can't get you past seven or eight, which I've found out once I went to go uh, pay everything. But I was $250,000 in debt, lived in my car for two and a half years, ex-convict, didn't have a relationship with my daughter. My girlfriend had broken up with me because I couldn't get my life together. So I was like 
in the depths of the depths of my life. And then one day I, I just screamed out. It was like, I'm trying to fight the ocean. You can't fight the ocean. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to fight the ocean of my life. And then one day I was just like, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people. I just want to inspire people. And I want to make a bunch of money, but I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in that I would do for free. So to close it out, that one statement of, it was, I'm just calling out. You know, I have a uh, powerful relationship with God, but I didn't even know I was talking to God mm-hmm. at that time. It was just me just yelling. Mm-hmm. And a week later, I'm at the gas station and a homeless guy asked me for money. And I said, you have more money than me. And he said, change your mindset, change your life. And I had never heard words that vibrated my whole soul. It like created a conscious interrupt and made me think about my entire life is what I'm thinking. The reason why my life is the way that it is. So if I do different with the same circumstance, my life will change. 12 years later, every single time I don't feel like doing something, I stop, I take a breath, and I've trained myself to do the opposite. That's what led me to reading all these books, um, just doing all the deep work that I've done, the healing that I've done. That's what led me to go to seminars and 10 days in the, I mean, five days in the dark, 10 days silence, uh, and all these different modalities that allowed me to learn more about myself and how I could deepen my heart with a deep desire to learn how to love myself and be loved. Mm-hmm. Before we unpack everything you just said, I'd love to start. Cause with, it's a lot. Yeah. Before I love to start with the first part. I think a lot, this time right now in reality, most men treat women terribly in the sense that most of us watch porn. We're seeing women in a way that's, you know, degrading and, and just seeing them as an object. I've been there myself. Yep. I'm curious in your journey, what did it take for you to have that shift mentally? And what can men do who are in that space, who view women in that degrading way? to see them in the in the correct way, which is, I hope you can explain what is that yeah. way we can view a woman that is healthy. So one thing I'm going to share, and it, I'm going I'm to I'm share a context that leads up to the question that you asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, my face was the size of Thanos's uh, <laughs> from Avengers. And my it was the most excruciating pain I ever had in my life. And when I went to the dentist, they said, well, we can't see you because it's too deep. You need to go see a specialist. So I went to the specialist and they said, you need to get a root canal. And I said, I already have a root canal here. I got one 15 years ago. And they said, well, who, whoever originally did the root canal didn't get it all the way to the root. So you have 15 years worth of infections that is showing up on the surface. They had to sew half of my jaw open and I could, even with anesthesia, I could feel the pain. So, but that gave me the biggest epiphany of my life. You can either focus on the surface or you can focus on the root. Mm-hmm. I don't blame men for in the depths of what it means to actually be a man, not knowing. It's because at the root, at the root of man is intoxicated. And that birth, this continuum of, uh, 
of the unhealthy masculine or just the unconscious masculine. You know, you're a man because you were born into this man body and all these different things. But there's a there's I feel there's different um, protocols to understanding what's naturally inside of you and learning how to harness it. And so I don't fault man just like I don't fault woman and I don't fault being uh, what I do fault is the system. It's the system. You don't change the person, you change the system. And whatever the system is, is what's giving birth to the next layer of learning and understanding and things like that. We didn't change the top layer of my tooth. We went to the root and we changed the system that's holding the tooth. And so therefore, the space that it's in, there's no more rotten there. And I think at the core of humanity, there's a lot of things that were never like really handled at the core. Same things that happen in our government, in our school system, at the system, it's rotten. And um, I think that a deep sense of compassion, patience, empathy, and more examples who are willing to be verbal about it. And I'll put myself out there. I'm very verbal about who I was in the past, what I've learned, and, and the, the, the ripple effect that has caused. So for me, some things that I did was to seek out men who were living a life that I wanted. Well-respected men, uh, people who had a, who understood business, who had a, um, just a respect in the community, um, fathers, people who are at, I'm talking about hands on. I'm not talking about you, you have a baby and then you don't talk to them ever and you just leave all the d- duties to the wife. Um, I'm talking about hands on while having a, a, a big business. I didn't see all of that in a single person. So I had to, it's like a transformer, pick apart different pieces from other different men. And I think that when I found a few good men that were modeling life in a way that I would like to live my life. I started reading the books that they read. I started trying to move how they move because people don't do what you say. They do what they see and they respond to how they feel. So I like to be, uh, just a, especially in Austin, a, 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 a pillar of an example of a father who is living in integrity, being responsible with his duties, protecting him and providing for his family. And when my wife's not around, you see how I honor her through my presence. And if girls come up, you can, and they, it happens all the time. They test it. They test the waters. And when that, thank you so much, you know, cause I've had other women come up to me. My wife was out of town and they're like, thank you. I'm like, for what? For showing me what it looks like. What do you mean? Oftentimes when I go to these parties, I'll see these happily married men going and doing all this stuff when their wife isn't around. This is the first time in my life I've seen somebody that looks like you remain integrity and honor their woman by like really like being protective of the energy while being respectful and loving and engaging. Mm-hmm. Tying this back to your 
journey at the point where you were trying to shift everything. There was this willingness in you to change. Yeah. When you're saying now there's mass willingness to be different. How can people, most people are, are, are just stuck in that space of taking that leap of, yeah. being, of being different. So yeah, I, I'm going to get to that. So the thing that happened to me, it's either you, you are willing to change or it's some unforeseen thing just knocks you on your ass and really makes you think about life. That's what happened to me with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like she wouldn't talk to me. And I'm like, damn. It's like, no matter how much money I make, she doesn't care. No matter how many millions of people I inspire, inspire, she doesn't care. And I just kept, it's like I'm knocking on the door, knocking, knocking, knocking. I wanted that relationship so bad. So I started doing all of this emotional intelligence work to learn about myself with the intention of being the kind of person that my daughter could trust, not knowing everything that was going to come with it. So when I, when I was doing all the, the emotional intelligence work, the deepening of the heart processes, the silent retreats, all of the different modalities. Yes, my life was changing, but the drive wasn't to change my life. The drive was to become the kind of person that my daughter would trust because I deeply wanted a relationship with her. But when I said, because if you say I am, that is the power of creation. So any word after I am is shaping and creating your life. I am stupid. I am slow. I'm always late. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm wealthy beyond means. Anything that you continuously give that energy to, all you have to do is look at the remnants of your life and you will see the cousin of either death or the cousin of, of joy or abundance based off of who you see in the mirror when the truth shows up and nobody's around. So when I said, I am the most powerful representation of who my daughter will marry one day. I just kept saying it over and over and over. And the next thing you know, I was like uh, saying things different. Within two months, my daughter was like, daddy, you're different. And I didn't know what she was talking about. All I know is I just kept saying this mantra over. Mm -hmm. I am the most powerful representation of who my daughter will marry one day. So for any fathers out there, that is something you can do. And, or if it's a, if you have a son, I am the most powerful representation that, you know, uh, of that, that can model the kind of man that I want my son to be Mm -hmm. and the kind of person that, that, won't be the last to be picked when it comes to being married and having a family. And if you don't have no kids, this is where you get to use the most powerful nation in the world, the imagination, and say, I am the most powerful representation of who my future kids will marry one day or my future daughter. You know, if you really start playing with that, it's like, well, how would I show up? How would I... How would I be at a party? How would I um, respect and honor people? And I don't, you know, I'm not so rigid on it. This is just where I'm at in my 40 year, 44 years around the sun. Um, but I would start by calling yourself something different instead of going into these, these little dark corners of your mind and it's like hiding from yourself. 
it's acknowledging what's there. Like when I acknowledged, you know, I have an addiction to sex. Mm -hmm. I have an addiction to, to, uh, trying to cut corners. You, you don't move forward without acknowledging it. So I allowed my body to process all of the shame and the guilt. And ultimately I, I wanted a deeper relationship with my mom, mm-hmm. not knowing that that what was driving all of that. And so why not just go to the source? So I pursued a relationship with my mom. Interesting how the drive to go and fill this empty well was no longer there. And so I would say, find out where that drive comes from. I would say, start calling yourself something different so that you can see something different in the mirror. And when you can lead your life with respect, honor, dignity, uh, and integrity, what you actually want in this life will show up for you 10 times more. And in a more effortless way. How do we deal with the doubt that makes us not believe the I am statement sometimes? Right? If I tell myself, I'm amazing, I'm a leader, all these things, and two hours later, the voice in my mind tells me, no, you're not, no, you're not. Yeah. How can we, how do we deal with that voice that doubts those things? So here's the thing. (laughs) That other voice was trained into your nervous system. It's trained into your body. And it's like Yoda said, you must unlearn everything that you've learned. And yes, it's difficult. And if you find ways to, it's like right here, there's the, the new age sage. There's things all over the wall. Why is that? You know, it's showing a message. Find, you can put it in your phone, put it in your car, put it on your mirror. And things that you do every single day, like use the restroom or brush your teeth, leverage the opportunity to practice your I am statement with something you already do every day. Now you're, um, you're, you're anchoring. Uh, it's almost like an elevated portal. So now it's not just brushing your teeth. Now you're brushing your teeth with intention. Now it's not just using the restroom. It's using the restroom with intention. So it's like, I'm on the toilet and I'm like, I am the most powerful representation that my, uh, of who my daughter will marry one day. Or, you know, one of my I am statements is I am a powerful force of love and freedom, inspiring greatness within myself and others. And I say it over and over and over because if you don't tell yourself who you are, you'll live a life based off of who you think other people think you are. And that's like a prison inside of a prison inside of a prison. And there's li- there's zero room for freedom inside of that. Mm-hmm. So by creating a more empowering narrative, when you do it over time and you approach it with the same tenacity as a baby learning how to walk, they get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down. Yes, there's fall downs, but the intention is to keep getting back up. So yes, there is self-doubt. But the intention is to retrain it back into your body or remember it. Mm-hmm. And how do you get oil out of a glass that the oil is at the bottom of the, of the glass? Keep pouring the water. You keep pouring, keep pouring because of the density of the, of the oil. That thing will just come right out. So that 
and really overcompensating and really doing it over and over and over and over and over again will eventually, will eventually have you, uh, living the word and not just theorizing the words. How do we know if there's unprocessed pain blocking us from believing those things? I, I agree with you. There's a line that, yeah. you know, we have to repeat these things and learn it, but there's also another yeah. part that there's unprocessed trauma in our body that's causing us to yeah. not believe those things. So how do we know if we have that unprocessed trauma and when is it the correct time to release it? Or is it a point where we just know that, okay, you know, I've done this releasing work. Now it's time yeah. to, to just spam the I am statement. So it's not <laughs> that, that, is really deep work they don't teach in school they don't teach in, teach in college probably for a specific reason because yeah. they want people to have these like muted versions of themselves um i think that studying um knowing that we're spiritual beings and uh the human part of us is housing the spirit and everything that has ever impacted you in your life is living inside of your body, whether it caused pain, sadness, joy, uh, happiness, whatever. It's literally living inside of your body. So imagine we have over 55,000 thoughts a day. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whichever thought you focus on most is what's going to show up in a physical equivalent in, in, in the life, in, in, the, in, in your life. So if you're knowing, and I just want to share this for everyone, just from a place of awareness, because awareness comes first. If you know that your entire life is a body of work from the time that you were in the womb, not even from when you were born, because you were receiving vibrations from your mom and dad or whatever was swirling around in the house, whatever food they eat was training you as a seed. And then when you were born, you were already encoded with the stuff that you had and your mom and dad or whoever was around the house um, has impacted every thought, every feeling in the world. So if you were ever interested in knowing why you get sad January 11th on the same day every year and you have no idea 100% it's connected to something deeper inside of you that's been triggered by the date of January 11th and it's not something that people just know but when you once you start like doing personal growth and learning how to evolve and in any direction it's ultimately going to lead you back to yourself and even great coaches, great coaches, like shitty coaches will lead you to themselves. Great coaches, they'll lead you back to yourself. And when it comes back to you and you're like, man, why am I sad right now? Okay, my mom and dad separated when they were four. Okay, there's a good chance there was like abandonment issues from one or more or both of my parents. And I think that when you start doing this deep work or caring enough to learn more about yourself, it's going to lead you to some places that might seem scary, to some places that are underneath the numbing and above the numbing is the alcohol that you drink or the porn that you watch 
or the overworking. So you got all this money and you got all this other stuff, but that is the mask to hide from who you don't even want to look at in the mirror. So if you have anything around there, there's a good chance somewhere in your childhood, something happened, you were bullied, uh, your dad didn't give you the attention that you wanted. So you're like, I'll show you. Can you see me? Can you see me now? Can you see me now? And then all of a sudden, 40 years later, you're the CFO, CEO of a, a major billion dollar company. And deep down inside, it's being run by the little five-year-old that just wants to see, be seen by his dad. And, but deep down inside, it's an inauthentic energy. So because it's inauthentic, anything that's out of alignment with nature will cause chaos, sadness, uh, you to want to turn to the bottle, the drugs, the porn, or any of those things. So, I, you know, you asked the question, but it's very complex. It's not an easy question. Mm-hmm. But for practicalities, just know that everything that's ever occurred in your life, in your childhood, has impacted you in one way or another. And if you want to learn why certain things make you so happy, certain things make you so mad, rageful, sad, physically hit someone, I can almost guarantee it. It is connected to something you saw, felt, experienced from your childhood. And I have this saying that says, adults are deteriorated children. So while you're focusing on all this stuff on the surface, kind of like my tooth, they're like, no, you got to go see a specialist because it's so deep. Well, you find out more about yourself. Mm-hmm. I was wondering why I will always procrastinate procrastination. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I feel like I can get anywhere in the world in 30 minutes. And it just, it, it's even coming here. I was like six minutes late, but in, in my head, there's something wired inside. I'm like, where does that come from? When I was four years old, my parents were separating and I remember the day and my mom goes, pick which parent you want to go with. And I remember saying, I don't want to choose. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She says, you have 30 minutes to pack your bags and pick which parent you want to go with. Fast forward. Why do I feel like I can get every, anywhere in the world in 30 minutes? Why do I feel this sense of dread in my nervous system? Because when I was a little kid, I dreaded it. I didn't want to go. I kept procrastinating to the last, 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 last minute. And then finally I chose. All of this is living inside of all of us. And they say that um, we've always been taught that, the, that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I say there's a pot of gold at the beginning of the rainbow. When you learn about the beginning stages of your life and how it impacted you and what you did, the story that you told about when that girl dumped you for the first time and you were afraid of rejection. Oh, there's treasures inside of your primitive stage impacts in your life. And with the inner child, the common strategy I see is people just, which is not bad, well, they'll have a trigger and they'll go, I hear your inner child, I see you. But I think what you're going to lead to is more powerful is, is giving the inner child space to roam free. Absolutely. That, that strategy actually leads to them let, being less likely to start yapping at you or crying at you. So how do we do that? Is that, the right, is, is that correct? And how do we actually give the inner child space to be free? 
Well, safety is the number one thing. The, when the nervous system doesn't feel safe, it will constrict. But when it feels safe, it'll go like this. So think about when you, when you go number two in the toilet. It's like, oh yeah, there's this other in your own bathroom. Okay. There's the, the gas station. Unless you really got to go, you're like, ah, I'm going to save it. I'm saving. Then you get home in the comfort of your own home, take off all your clothes or whatever you do. And you're just like, it's because your nervous system is safe. So what I've understood is anytime the nervous system is safe, it will release. It will release its secrets. It will release its gifts. It will release its messages and everything. So there are the, the world's greatest gifts never to be released because inside of me, you, and all of us is a nervous system that doesn't feel safe. And so inside of containers, like I have a retreat called Awaken the Artist Within. The, the, the artist is the little kid who remembers. And it's been said that the containers that we create are some of the safest containers ever. There's not none of this leaky energy. Nobody's trying to sleep with each other. Actually, if that happens, you get kicked out and you can't come back. You know what I'm saying? So my staff is so clear. No one can pursue anybody and no one can do this cross line stuff for a month after the event. So it is so super tight. And when people feel that safety, let me tell you something. They start sharing stuff that they'd never shared before, shame and guilt and all these different things. All of that, when you have shame and guilt and these like these, these secrets inside of you, I want you to imagine like a water hose. It's designed for water to flow through it. Well, your channel, your divine channel is like a water hose. So anytime you got that shame and guilt and you haven't released it or you hold on to resentment towards anybody, you, you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive other people. That's like tying knots in the water hose and then having 1500 pounds of pressure wondering why, wait, where's the water? I got all this. I got all this. I got all this water in this tank. Yeah. No, you got knots in your hose. So when the nervous system is safe, it literally starts unraveling the knots inside. And so that's why when people call it, oh my God, I had this big old breakthrough. What actually is happening is moments before your nervous system felt safe enough to release stuck energy. And so this is why people have this pent up energy, the stuck energy. And that's what turns into the physical violence, the spiritual, the emotional violence, the, the porn and all of that. Cause people don't understand the power of what they stuff down. They have no idea. Well, a penny that doubles every day for 31 days is over $10.4 million. Well, stuck energy that doubles for your entire life is why we have so much suffering in the world today. So teaching people things like forgiveness practices and letting go of resentment. Like I forgave a family member who molested me when I was 13 years old and, and I let go of the resentment. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous practice to that frequency starts to flow up inside of you and you become the kind of person that is orbiting in that frequency 
And so whatever vibration you're in, anything that's on that vibration is what's going to show up in your life. And so uh, in simple terms, forgive those who hurt you. Let go of the resentment towards anybody who hurt you and anybody who you hurt. Being able to forgive yourself and and anybody who you hurt and anybody who hurt you, you releasing that. I made a list of 250 names from when I was a little kid up until now with the intention of forgiving myself, uh, apologizing them to them for hurting them and apologizing to them the time they hurt me. And they're like, wait, we're the ones who jumped you. I'm like, no, but what I did to you in my mind is a thousand times worse than what you did to me. But who's going to do that work? People are afraid of that. They're like, oh, I can forgive this person, but not this one. Mm-hmm. But that work is what starts to open up. You start releasing hate from your heart. And all of a sudden, you get a random client. You get this random opportunity that's happening simultaneously as you start releasing. So that'll tell you a lot about the universal order. You release, something is replaced. Somebody dies, a baby is born. That is part of a universal order. How does that all help you access inner child? Um, so the inner, so your inner child is, I would say, the full spectrum of your heart and why it beats and everything that comes from your heart creativities, um, f- flowing, uh, ideas, song, music, writing, painting. Um, it derives from those frequencies. So if any aspect is cut off, you literally cut off the flow of nature. And this is why you can have somebody have $50 million business, put a bullet into their brain. Th- they weren't operating in a way that is natural and harmonious with their actual being. And so when you're working with the little kid inside of you, you're working with the, the, the most truest and deepest part of you. And so I'm like, uh, why work with this 40 year old when I can go right to the source? You know, because there's that's, that's where more power is. I was, uh, you know, I was coaching this lady and she had a nice business, successful, great husband, great kids, nice life on paper. She came to me and she was like, here, her shoulders. I don't know what to do with my life. I'm like, but you have that, that, that. Yeah, but I feel like something is missing. And I said, what did you used to love to do when you were a little kid? She's like, I used to love to dance. Now notice, she comes in like this. And the moment I said, what did you used to love to do as a kid? I used to love to dance. She literally started, there was something inside of there, smile on her face and everything. And I was like, when was the last time you danced? 20 years ago. And she goes back into the thing. So that already told me right there, there is stuck energy inside, shame, guilt, her own abandoning herself, like her real self, 20 years. And I said, you got kids, right? She said, yeah. And I said, uh, 
If your daughter came up and tapped you on the knee, she's like, mom, 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 dad, mom, 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 for 20 years, how do you think the relationship would be? She was like, it wouldn't be one. I said, why? There would be no emotional closure. I said, so you know, you know what that is, right? Yep. Your inner child for your soul is like a little kid. And every time you say, I used to love to do this. And every day that goes by is like the little kid going, dad, 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 mom, dad, listen to me. And I said, so if 20 years goes by, it does the same thing to your spirit as it would the relationship between you and your daughter, because there will be no connection from your spiritual self and your physical self that you're out of alignment with how nature flows. And she was like, oh, wow. So here's what I want you to do. Once a week, once a week, take a dance class. And I want you to imagine that little girl just going to dance. That's it. I didn't give her no other direction. Within three months, she got a raise. She had better sex. She was making more money, better relationship with her family. Because you never know how bad you feel until you start feeling better than you've ever felt. And she was like, oh, my God. So she got to reconnect with the truest part of her and integrate that in her current world reality. What are your gifts that the inner child gives you and how do you express them? Hey there, I'm going to give you a break to digest all of this amazing information. And in this break, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review the podcast. Thank you. Singing, dancing, mine personally, singing, dancing, uh, visual art, fashion, using my voice. Uh, when I was five years old, and I didn't even know where this came from. It would be two people fighting, and I'd feel this like hot feeling in my stomach and I'd go up and I'd say these things and all of a sudden good things would happen. It's like every time I'd feel that heat in my stomach and I'd say something, good things would happen. It's interesting how I've spoken on stages, 55,000 people, 75 countries all over the world. And I say that thing, what I know is my channel getting activated. Now, no. But when I was a little kid, like the ABC version of my channel coming online, I would just say this thing and good things would happen. So when I'm speaking, when I'm on the podcast or TV or radio, I'll say these things. Good things will happen. And I keep it as simple as that. I'm sure there's a very scientific way to, to share what I'm sharing. Uh, but I didn't know really the power of sharing my own personal testimony and being vulnerable and sharing my story until 2013. I was like, you think you know me? You have no idea. You know what I've showed you. But here's what it really is. Right now, I'm $200,000 in debt, living in my car, cheated on every girlfriend I ever had. It was basic me just being free with what it really is. Things that my, not even my mom knew. First message I got from somebody, thank you for your strength. I put the gun down. And I was like, oh shit. Fifth message, 
someone shared with me your testimony. I was on my way to drive my car off a bridge. And I was like, oh shit, my story matters. My story just saved somebody's life. And it was in that moment, my purpose was birthed to be the voice of the voiceless or the parts of you that you haven't yet given a voice. And all I got to do is be myself. But myself is Garen, sharing things and good things happen. Where you are now, when you were in that spot of being in debt and homeless, do you see yourself as you are right now? Do you see that success? I always knew I was meant for more. I always saw myself on stages since and what, I, didn't, I didn't know how. Very young? Since I was little. Okay. I didn't know how. I mean, I, I, I even, when I was 13 years old, I had a vision of me winning five Grammys, walking on the red carpet with my mom and retiring her. And I maintained, I was like, one day I'm going to win five Grammys, I'm going to walk on the red carpet and I'm going to retire her. And I maintained that. I ended up quitting music in uh, the music industry in 2011, but I, for some reason, I was like, I still feel like I'm going to win these five Grammys. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, but I still feel it. I see it. And this was when I was 13 up until uh, 2015. Well, in, in the health and wellness industry, I, I was notified that I was one of the top, uh, 250 wellness on, entrepreneurs in an $8 billion company. And they said, well, that we have this award ceremony that, that is being hosted and you won, you, you're going to be getting awards. I'm like, all right, really cool. I invited my mom that day. <laughs> By the way, it was hosted in the same place where they host the Grammys. I won five awards and I'm walking on the red carpet with my mom. And I was like, oh my God, this is that moment. So at the end of the runway, I looked at my mom in the face and I said, mom, call your boss. Tell him you're not going back to work again. She's like, what? I said, mom, I'm retiring you. You'll never have to work again. Done. And I was like, I seen it. But more did I see it. There's two different kind of eyes. It's the eyes on the inside called insight. I saw it from when I was little and I felt it. And a lot of times you can only see at the level of development you are. So based off of a 13-year-old, I can only see that. But how the universe works, there's, I mean, the law of the universe. Whatever thoughts you give the most power to will show up in the physical equivalent of, it, of your life. The outside reflects the inside, even, even biblically, as above, so below, as within, so without. If you read nothing else in the Bible, as above, so below, as within, so without. And that is the outside is the physical manifestation of the inside. When the thing that's most inspiring to me, that most people miss out on when they're seeing someone successful is that you believed in yourself when all the evidence showed otherwise. Yeah. You were in that spot with nothing and you still felt that way. How, how the fuck is that? Is that possible? Because I think, because I'm with you, I, I agree with you, I, I've been there. How can we feel that reality in our bodies and then believe it fully when everything in front of us right now in the present moment physically is not yeah. that? How can we believe that reality well, in it's, the present it's, moment? It's actually backwards. You okay. don't, it, 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 it's like, it's, 
You said, feel it. And so we can believe it. No, you believe it. And that will conjure up the feeling. Okay. So you got to think about a snake charmer. You know, he's playing this music, playing his music, playing his music. All of a sudden the snake comes up because it's, it, it's doing something to it. To believe is to see yourself. It's to the see the, it's like the, the projection of yourself. It's like it, to believe in myself. Like I know that I am capable of more. When I was a little kid, all of us, when we were like four, five years old, I've never seen one four or five year old that didn't believe in themselves. I can do that. I want to do that. I want to be the president of the United States. I want to be the rock star. But again, adults are deteriorated children. When you forget what you originally believed, that's why I say, I feel the original abandonment was actually you abandoning your original love, the things that you always wanted to do when you were a little kid. And that sets forth these feelings of abandonment issues. And don't we blame it on our mom and our dad? And it's like, oh, let's connect the dots looking backwards. What are you not doing that is not bringing you internal freedom? And I feel like, you know, a friend of mine um, uh, said that truth vibrates to love's tempo. And I was like, shit, I could feel that in my spirit right now. And I feel like when you tap into your innate love, There is an essence of freedom and there is an essence of truth that just lives there, just waiting for you to come back home to it. And I never stopped believing that I was going to be a superhero. I just never stopped. I, I always said I want to be stronger than the average man, have abs like an action figure, save and change lives all over the world. I never stopped. So when y'all are seeing me all over the world saving and changing lives, you're like, how does he have that so, so much energy and he can just keep going and going and going? No, no. What I feel is little Garen doing what he always wanted to do, going all over the world, saving and changing lives. And I got abs like an action figure. So it's me in my natural state. When you practice being who you really are in your authentic self, which I feel authenticity is one of the highest vibrations in the world. When you are in your authentic self and it's bodied and lived, I it's embodied and lived. I feel that the ripple effect of that is confidence. The ripple effect of that is faith. I feel like the risk. So I was, I always remembered I want to be a superhero and I'm practicing life is hard, but I'm, I always want to be a superhero. So I always did things from what I always wanted to do. And so now it's just more integrated. It's just been more and more and more integrated as years go along. And I think that anything that you practice, you'll get good at, even when you're unconsciously being insecure or hateful or hurting people. Uh, Bruce Lee says, uh, 
you practice, uh, there's, there's like a, you practice a thousand kicks. Uh, but if you practice one kick a thousand times, then you'll become masterful. So when you approach anything, including yourself, with that one kick a thousand times philosophy, then you, you'll, you'll be a further integrated person than most people who are walking around having no clue being swayed by the media, being swayed by dates on a calendar. It's like, oh, you know, happy Valentine's Day. I'm about to do all these things for my spouse. Man, you could have done that shit like a week ago. You know what I'm saying? That means you're controlled by time. You're controlled by dates. January 1st, 2024 is going to be my year. You've been saying that every year for the last 15 years. What if right now was your right now? Happy now year. And I think that the more you remove the titles and the masks and you bring it back home to yourself you realize you have the gift of loving anytime you want of allowing yourself to be loved anytime you want now there's things that could be in the way and it's you still have access to it um you can create the thing that you said you wanted to create you can put that book out no, but I don't, I'm worried about what other people think. Okay, cool. But it's still there. But the worst, the, the worst kind of life to live is dying with your music still inside of you. And so, you know, I was just in the mastermind of, uh, this weekend, um, uh, for Genius Network in Phoenix. And I was literally sitting right next to Les Brown for like, seven straight hours. We were just politicking the whole time. And he is like, man, it's like laying on your deathbed with all the books you could have written, with all the product projects you could have released, with the kids you could have had, the the partner you could have had, the you know, all of it on your deathbed, staring down at you saying, we could have done something, but now we've got to die with you. Mm -hmm. That is a life not well lived. You were just existing, trying to get by, being at the defensive in life. Fuck that. So as long as I have blood in my, in my, in, in my body, breath in my body, a dream that God has blessed me with, I will be a stand for humanity, tapping into their hearts, remembering their little kid, remembering what actually is meaningful and matters to them on a deep level. And I will do that whether it's free, whether somebody's paying me, you know, $125,000 for 12 90 minute sessions or $4,000 for my retreat or a $12.95 cent book. All of it's, it's the same message. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I go so hard to love the little kid inside of me and how you treat yourself is in direct proportion to how you treat other people. To give people the benefit of the doubt, to know that they are seen, they are heard, they matter in this world, and there's a safe space for them to be who they've always wanted to be.
not what everybody else wanted them to be. How do we figure out what the universe needs from us specifically? Like, as you said, the biggest danger is dying without our art being expressed. Mm -hmm. How do we each find out what is our unique art? What's the unique gift we bring individually to heal the collective? How do we find that source? Well, that I mean, <laughs> well, one, if you are being authentic, it'll come. If you're being authentic, you know how they say, um, I don't know, this little voice told me. I feel that voice is not little. I feel like it's surrounded by your judgments, by your insecurities, and it's surrounded. And it's like, you're two minutes away, but there's bumper to bumper traffic. So because there's bumper to bumper to traffic, you're actually an hour away. So I feel like when you remove all the stuff, it doesn't feel good in your body that I'm giving people at large the benefit of the doubt. They know deep down inside when some shit's not right for them. When you grab that extra burger or the fry or cheating or doing all these different things deep down inside, whether you're masking it or not. And so I feel when you remove the things that take you further and further away from what you want to do in life, what you want to do in life will start to double and triple and quadruple in power. And that will pull you forward and demagnetize your distractions. And it's one of those things where it's not going to just show up for you. It's not one of, you know, I've, I got my certificate in this and I've done this and I've done, no, this it doesn't. It's one of those things where the only way out is through. In our world right now, you can clearly see as soon as you turn on the TV, more suffering and more suffering and more suffering and more suffering. Why are they suffering? Everybody's focused on the surface. They don't want to talk about the real shit. What's really going on is a hurt little child that doesn't feel seen and heard. Somebody took their toys. If it, it's over and over and over and over and over again. And when we learn the true way to change the world is to change yourself and work on getting 1% better every day. When you change, you will have a gateway to teach how to teach other people how you did what you did. That's how you change the world because we're all collectively a part of the world. So one person changes, they change their world. And then all of a sudden people are like, yo, man, you're different. Your skin is different. You have, have you, you age different. It's everything is different. What have you been doing? Oh, I, I started reading this book. I started praying every day, I started meditating and I forgave my, and then someone else who's going through the exact same thing is like, damn, well, if you can do it, I can do it. And I think if we start, start taking self accountability for our energy, our actions, how we treat people, how we treat ourselves, what we put in our body, what we're watching, what we're listening to, and focus on getting 1% better every day. You can seek coaches, seek uh, books in areas where you're wanting to improve. Everybody's wanting to improve in something. 
find a coach, find a community. And flowers that grow much faster. I mean, flowers that grow together grow much faster than they do by themselves. So even finding a community of people who are heading in the the direction that you want to go in, that's how you amplify your growth because seeing is believing. So if you surround yourself around a house of mirrors, well then shit, you just amplify your growth. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it, this is a really big conversation, especially right now, because there's a lot of people in the world that aren't taking self-accountability. They're blaming it on everybody else. They're mm-hmm. blaming it on the news, the weather, the president, the this, the that, the... And then I hear nothing on TV where somebody is like, my fault, my bad. You know, I, I take accountability. I take responsibility. Yeah. That was the change for me yeah. when I was blaming everybody. And then I said, wait, I'm blaming everybody, but I've never actually, I've never taken it. I think what's hard for people is, uh, I agree with you, but a lot of people, when they're being accountable, they do it with shame. They get very hard on themselves. They can't progress because they're like being so brutal with themselves. So how, what's a healthier way to change yourself? How can you inspire yourself to be better without shaming yourself and attacking yourself? Well, one, I started, it, it, it starts with the music that you're listening to. Um, the books that you're reading or not reading. So for me, I, I am exactly who you were talking about. Then I started reading a book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. I read the book over 300 times from when I first got it when I was 18 up until now. Paperback and audiobook. Why? Why do you keep reading the same book? Because if you do it right, every time you read the book, you won't be the same person. And every time you read something not as the same person, you'll get something different. Mm-hmm. So think about 300 different versions of Garen. And so when you find a really good book and you results keep happening, stay in that practice. So read a book for mastery, not memory. So find a good book. Find You seek out the community. Don't wait for the community to seek you out. So it was easy for me to fall back into old patterns if there was nobody around modeling new patterns. Mm -hmm. When I was breaking in the houses and breaking in the cars, I was hanging out with people who were breaking in the houses and breaking in the cars all the time. So because I changed my environment, I'm like, oh, okay, they're reading this book. They're reading this book. This person's making this money. This person's talking about uh, uh, changing lives and everything. And I'm watching how they handle um, uh, conflict in a healthy way for the first time in my life. I'm, oh, let me try that. Let me try that. Let me try that. Let me try that. Next thing you know, I become that. And so community, books, find a coach. And everything that involves your sensory, sensory. So who you're hanging around, the food that you're eating, um, the, what you're listening to, what you're watching. And if you can improve in those right there, 1% better. Maybe you watch six hours of TV, cut everything in half watch three hours of TV, and then read a book for three hours. And then just start with half. If I freaking binge watch Virgin River 
watch six ep- episodes and then go on Gaia and then watch some episodes on how to improve your vibration. And I think that if you can take this half, this half thing, I scroll. I used to scroll all day. Okay, scroll half the day, take the other half a day, start learning something new. Inside of there, you will win at life because most people focus on bettering your best. That's so difficult. If you better your worst, holy Mm. shit. That makes everything better. And that's a low-hanging fruit. So if I have a shitty attitude and there's a book on how to have a positive attitude, might be a good book to read. So it's your, your habits. It's your, your, the, 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 your habits, your responsibilities, your own personal, what you do in your life is controlling who you're being and who you're being while doing the things that you do is what determines the result, the sustainability, how people feel about what you do and so on and so forth. And it's all going to start with you. You're saying is you have to be entirely committed. I think an issue is in this space that someone will listen to you in your story and feel inspired for an hour, yeah. right? And feel charged up. And they go back to the bottle and they go back to the bad habit. Yep. That, that's the issue. Yep. How, how can we... How can we Seed stop? was planted. All, all I, I'm, I'm a seed planter because it's not going to happen like, oh, there might be one person that's just like, fuck, this is my exact story. But the question you're asking no one has an answer yeah. for. It's like, how come everybody that graduates from Harvard doesn't become successful? Yeah. How come people that graduate from college don't go on and do these things? That is a ratio that if you try to figure it out, you'll be, you'll go down a rabbit hole that no one has ever figured out. All I can, can, all I can focus on are the ones who do. So there could be 20,000 people watch this episode. One person is lit the fuck up right now. I was like, oh my God, that's my story. That's my story. Now, what if that one person does 10x what I did? Now, that one person is on your podcast after inspiring millions of people. And it was like when you and Garen had that real last conversation. It did something to my soul that was beyond words. It was beyond words. And I could not help but to put the bottle down, but to stop the thing. All you need is one. So if the one happens, I'm good with that. But all we got to do is plant seeds because it, it'll, it'll grow somewhere. Mm-hmm. My dad told me when I was a little kid and all, all the people were making fun of me at, uh, um, at my Annie Vet's house, uh, for dancing to Michael, uh, Michael Jackson's, um, uh, Moonwalker. And I'm in, in front and all of my drunk relatives, they're like, Oh, Garen, you can't sing. You can't dance and crush my soul. My dad was sloppy drunk, did drugs and everything. And even through all of his pain, he said, hey, don't you ever tell my son what he can and cannot do. Garen, if you love it and it makes you happy, 
Then you do it. You do what you love. You do what makes you happy. He planted a seed. And I said, you know what I get paid millions of dollars for now? Doing what I love that makes me happy. And I share it. And it seems like tons of people were like, I want to do what I love too. That makes me happy. I didn't come with that. My dad planted that seed. So somebody that's out in that audience right now, they're like, so might they might learn something else in this six weeks course, but the seed was planted here with us. How do you water the seed to benefit us? You you keep listening to the these podcasts. You keep I have a book. I'm on I mean I've been on everybody's podcast, but I have a book called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. I wrote it for people who don't like reading. So it's like a simple, easy read. That book has sold almost 300 copies uh, with no publisher, you know? And and so obviously the people want it. Um, so you get into the work by pursuing. Like how does a mom who's never had a baby before learn the process of bringing a baby into this world? She starts taking classes. She starts learning about baby names. She starts learning about how to hold her body, how to breathe. I went to all the classes with my wife. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole nother world. I was like, well, now I know how to hold for my wife instead of being oblivious. And so when you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out. So I encourage someone, if you're looking to rediscover joy inside of you, if you're looking to build radical confidence so that even if you're not a speaker or a singer, you can speak and sing in front of any crowd, anytime you want, no matter who's there, it's the level of confidence. You can put out the product projects you want to put out. You can write the book that you want to write. And all, but if that's something you really want to do, Learn more about it. Don't focus on talent. Focus on developing your skill, mastering your craft. And then little by little, that level of confidence, it's, it's, it's nature. If I take a breath, it's nature for me to bring it out, breathe it out. So if you're doing the work, you naturally start building confidence. You naturally start sharing it because it's, you know, if, if you're dying of, uh, oxygen right now and I got access to oxygen bags, am I just going to be like, watch you die knowing that I could actually support you? No, I can't help but to share it. So I look at the work that I do being oxygen for a suffocated nervous system. For, for people who are suffocating in their, their, their internally. The cemetery is not where you see the most dead people. It's where you walk around every day experiencing people with something that's died inside of them. All right. Well, cool. I, I got lifelines here. So I sell lifelines, even if people don't even realize it's a lifeline, the longevity of your life. How do we deal with the bad seeds? Is it a matter of, let's say, a seed of victimhood or aggression or anger? Yeah. Is it a matter of just focusing on planning on, on growing the good ones? Is it just 
killing the bad weeds? What's what's the strategy for dealing with the the bad bad seeds? So, say for instance, I um, I'm suffering with a lack of trust. Where'd that come from? My earliest memory of feeling betrayed. So when I was 12 years old and Dodge Neons like first came out. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get that car. And I'm like, you know, lemonade stand, I'm selling candy and everything. So I saved up. I could never save my money. And I finally saved up and I put all my money in the bottom drawer. And then one day I came home and it was gone. And my brother stole my money. And I never felt more betrayed in my life. And when I got older, I was wondering why. I could never save money. It's because I didn't trust because someone betrayed me. So here's what I did. I called my brother after a workshop that I was doing. I was like, Anthony, I just want to apologize. He was like, for what? He was like, the resentment that I held towards you when that money was taken out of my drawer. I just want to apologize. He's like, why are you apologizing? I was like, and I just, I held a lot of resentment and I don't want anything in the way of our relationship. So I'm creating the possibility for us to have an extraordinary brotherhood with nothing in the way. And he was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Mind you, this is when I was 12. He mentions nothing about this. And this, what I'm about to share with you is like, Six years ago, he's, he's like, man, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm like, what? He's like, I just sent you the money and I was going to surprise you. So interesting how the world works where I'm intentional with freeing myself. And then I create open dialogue from a place of neutrality, not blaming him, but just saying, I'm taking responsibility for my own energy directed towards you. Mm -hmm. And after all these years, I didn't even know two days before he had sent me the money. And that's how it works. This It's a beyond, it's not like we're taught to read linearly in the Western culture. This is beyond the way we're taught. So when you start understanding, paying attention to signs and pattern recognition, you know, even, even the Bible, uh, most of us in the Western culture, we read the word as like, we see the rock and this and that, but you can't truly get everything that's actually meant from the Bible because it was written in a part of the world that wasn't written literally. It's all symbolism. And so when you start under- understanding and seeing these symbols, of life that'll show up like, oh my goodness, I love this song on the radio. You turn the song, same song. And all of a sudden you get to the stoplight. Somebody's walking across the street with the message of the title of the song. Something's trying to get your attention. Then you go to the doctor's office, you get to the doctor, and then the singer of the song is there. There is a message for you clearly in that title. So you start thinking, what, what is it about this title? And you're like, oh my goodness. This was the song that I got broken up to or something like that. And I never forgave that person. So to give you a sign to call that person and forgive them. 
It's very complex, but man, this shit here is a whole nother level and our life is filled. You'll, ne- you'll never run out. You'll, you'll never run out. Such a powerful perspective. I never heard it put that simply because it's actionable, right? Summarizing for listeners is that, let's say you have a trigger, a memory of a, a broken moment. You find the origin of it. Let's say your, your dad hits you, someone yelled at you, or you yelled at someone, you fix the, the loop. You go talk to them. You say, hey, this happened. I want to owe my pardon and say sorry. And then, and then it clears. That's a pretty awesome yeah. action because it's practical. You can do it in a, in a day, in an hour. It's a solution that, that's feasible. I want to cover one last topic before we end. A friend of mine told me you know a lot about the healing powers of music. It's something I'm very interested in. So I want to read yeah. this quote to you by Bob Marley. One good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. Mm. Why is that true? Well, music is, is uh, think in terms of um, frequency, energy, and vibration. It's not music in general, it's just certain sounds. And um, you think about the power of music. So say, for instance, a great song. Because I'm happy I've got alone with that song went number one in almost every country and it spread fast because it raised people's vibration during a time where a lot of people were sad. What's actually going on is there's two worlds. There's the physical world and there's the non-physical world. You cannot see the non-physical world, but you can see the effect of it. It's like uh, there's a saying that says, uh, you're born looking like your mom and dad, but you'll die looking like your decisions. But your decisions is based off of feelings that are happening and it's in the non-physical world, so you can't really see it. So I want you to think of like the ocean. Can you swim? Mm -hmm. Try to fight the ocean. Right? But you can position yourself in the ocean in a specific way with specific strokes that will make you appear to be floating on the water. Your emotions work the exact same way. You try to fight your emotions, you will drown. But if you position yourself in a specific way with specific movements, it will seem like you are flowing in the ocean of emotion. Music and media control your emotions more than anything in the world. Interesting. Have we got all these fatty foods and all this other stuff and alcohol being pushed and all that? I mean, nonstop. These are trillion dollar, billion dollar industries. And we're wondering why in America, it's like so many healthy people because that's what's being shown in the media. And they pay so much money to get your attention because the more unhealthy you are, the weaker your nervous system. The weaker your nervous system, the more susceptible you are to sickness, the more susceptible you are to being influenced, uh, the more susceptible you are to, uh, to being controlled. Uh, so, so if you're domesticated in fear, you can be controlled by fear. But the more um, here, present, now you are, healthy you are, embodied you are, clear, aware you are, you then become the neutral, you you become neutral to the entire checker game. And so music, there's people that control 
what goes on the stations. Why do you think all majority of the conscious rappers are not put out in the forefront? You see them, what's, what's going on in music now? It, it, it influences how we dress, how we think, how we eat, how we spend money, especially in the black community, how we spend money, how we treat people, uh, kill. Um, it's literally a university. And, and, but that's the power of music. Now, to understand vibration and, and, and frequency, there are certain scales that influence you directly to do something. That's why you can hear, dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You know some shit's about to happen because that's tapping right into your spirit. Even if you try to block it, you cannot, it's, it's not a human thing. It's a vibrational frequency that's not even playing in the same vicinity as you. So that's why you can hear these horror sounds and know something's about to happen. You can hear these happy sounds and know something there's about to be a love scene or something like that. So if you can gain access to your inner facilities to understand the power of vibration and frequency. That's actually what I work with. It's like, this is why the healings go so deep in my retreat, because I don't work in trauma. I work in vibration, which is the vibration is what holds the trauma. So we go underneath it. And so that's why we do a lot of music and a lot of sound, a lot of toning, so that you can understand the power of your own vessel. Um, and so when you can get good at understanding vibration, even notes on a piano scale and how it feels in your body, and then you can hear it out in the world. You can hear, you can hear certain things, uh, on songs and certain things, but some of it is low resonating. Some of it is high resonating. If you train and you're listening to like trap music, and it's over and over and over and over and over. And you see the frequency of that music. It is the lowest form of resonation when it comes to music. So no matter what, it's meant to create a muted version of yourself, to take, take, take the, 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 the spiritual aspect, take you out of the spiritual aspect. And then there are uh, uh, music that, um, arpeggio tones and, and if you listen to that every day for 30 days, watch your productivity go up. Watch how you feel about yourself when you're, if, if you did that for five minutes every day for 30 days, but you didn't listen to anything else. It's a language in itself. So I highly suggest anyone who's listening to this start learning about the power of vibration and frequency as it pertains to music. And then you can control your own inner, domin inner dominion instead of being unconsciously controlled by who's trying to control you. What kind of music are you bumping? 
I don't really nothing. I don't. It's if it's it it, it it a lot of times I listen to music that has no words, mm-hmm. so I can paint my own pictures. And so I'll listen to classical music. I'll listen to to um um occasionally. I'll listen to something because I have my daughter and she likes, you know, she likes, um, Sean Mendez. She likes, um, um, it's a couple of popular people, but it's, the music's got to feel, feel good and it's got a good feeling to it. So there's not really, I'm, I'm more of an old school type person when there was more heart and feeling into the music, like Stevie Wonder, Donny Hathaway, um, I love uh jazz by Kenny G. Um um I love just like just old school where somebody's Otis Redding and Marvin Gaye. I love music that makes you feel and that just take you to another world. You know. Um that's ultimately what I listen to, but not really anything in 2023. I understand. Yeah. What his fatherhood taught you? Oh my god. I have a daughter who's 21 and I have a daughter who will be two October 5th. So the 20 year, the 20 year school has taught me how to be a better man, how to be present, how to be responsible, how to live my word, be in integrity, how to protect and provide for my family, um, how to respect and honor women, um, how to create a container of safety, um, fatherhood, especially with baby soul brought me back even deeper to little Garen. You know, after she was born, that's when I created my company, Artist Power, and we do masterminds and retreats and, and, um, uh, different beautiful containers. Um, but it, I, I say this saying, Blair, gave birth to baby soul and baby soul gave birth to me. And so I'm, I'm learning how to see life as it should be seen through the innocence with authenticity, love and compassion, patience, understanding, and noticing the little wins being a safe space for the tears and hearing all of baby souls, 20 different versions of her cries. So fatherhood has brought me into an aspect of life that allows me to deeply appreciate the value Not only the value of women, but the value of mothers. I think that is the most undervalued job in our society. Seeing what Blair does while building her business and supporting me and doing what I'm doing. Seeing what she does. That should be the most highest paying job, 100%. And it does not get the value. So it taught me a greater appreciation for all moms that are doing everything they can 
to provide for their family and their child. I'm going to end on that powerful note. Yeah. It's super powerful. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. And just listening to you in myself, I can feel areas I have to work on. So I want to thank you for giving me that mm. accountability. I appreciate it deeply. Um, and can tell people where they can find you and, and get, know your work better? Yeah. Um, so you can go to my website, which is uh, garenjones.com. Um, my Instagram is garen.jones. And I have a book uh, called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. We have it in English and Spanish. And the audio book just came out. A couple of other books just uh, we're currently working on. Uh, won't give out the title yet, but <laughs> we're working on. And um, I do uh, um, extremely powerful retreats that it's ultimately, if you want to create a launching pad for anything that you're doing in life and be surrounded by an epic group of people um, that can hold space for who you really are designed to be, um, playing, jumping, dancing, uh, emotional intelligence, you know, awaken the artist within is something that I would suggest anyone, um, have as a part of supporting their, uh, their evolution. The next one is October 5th through the 9th in, um, in Aspen, Colorado. There'll be about 72, 70, 72, 75 people there. Um, so for right now, you can find me all over the world, <laughs> but if you want to learn deeper and go deeper, you can find me on my website. Perfect. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as rate and review. Thank you for listening.